Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, find Acts chapter 10. That's where we're going to be at today as we continue our series called Unstoppables. We're walking through this doctrinal series in the book of Acts. Before we get to that part, I want to remind you to pray for our search team as they continue to search for our next full-time staff person. I want to encourage you to continue to pray about giving to our uh, building campaign fund for our children's building. And I'm very excited about after the holidays, working on getting back into that children's building uh, with the gifts that have been given. And we, we appreciate it so much. We're going to be getting in there very, very soon. And um, but I'm also excited about a bunch of other things that are going on here in our church as well, right? I'm excited that yesterday we were able to be life-changing for 130-plus families, okay, through our food pantry. And I want you to be in prayer about the food pantry, though, because it's getting harder to source the food, and uh, we may not be able to have our food pantry next month even. It is getting that difficult. So be in prayer that God will provide the food. And if you've never served in it before, we also do a clothes closet during that time, so you can serve in the clothes closet, you can serve in the um, food distribution part, you can pack bags ahead of time if you need to do that, if you can't be here on the second Saturday, you can uh, give clothing to the clothes uh, stores, just all kinds of ways to get involved, if you want to be involved, contact one of the staff or call the church office, uh, Amy Anderson kind of directs that, she's back there in the back, sing all by her lonesome, so uh, y'all can go up and be friends with her and talk to her about how you can help out at the food pantry, all right? And so I'm excited about that opportunity yesterday. I'm also excited about tonight's Christmas party. I know you've already heard about it, but man, I get fired up about the family feud thing, okay? It is so much fun. We're going to have, I'm going to have a good time, okay? I hope y'all come and have a good time too, six o'clock here. And then I'm excited about the Christmas Eve service, a light in the night. It's going to be some great, great music going on with that. And then Christmas morning, we're doing a combined service at 1030 in the sanctuary. I know you've heard all that, but I, I'm just excited about all these things and all about celebrating the birth of Jesus. So I hope that you'll make plans if you're not traveling or not out with family or whatever to be here for those things. Last week, we talked about unstoppable salvation. It reminded me of a few years ago, when, uh, well, more than a few years ago, a lot of years ago, when I just became a Christian, okay? I was 14 years old. I was about to enter high school. And at that time, our youth group did this thing called door knocking, okay? And it's where the youth would go out, and we would knock on people's doors, okay? And back then, they would actually answer the door, okay? And when they would come to the door and answer the door, we would start asking them all kinds of uncomfortable personal questions about their religious beliefs and their personal beliefs and their spiritual life and all that kind of stuff. I actually thought it was the youth pastor's way of punishing us for acting up during youth group. Uh, so... If you've ever been door knocking, though, you might appreciate the story of the two guys who went door knocking, and the lady came to the door and opened it, and when she did, and they told her why they were there to tell her about Jesus Christ, she tried to slam the door in their face, but it mysteriously just bounced right back open. Well, she tried it again a second time, and again, almost supernaturally, the door just bounced right back open. Well, she was about to do it for a third time when one of the guys said, ma'am, before you try to do that again, you might ought to move your cat. (laughs) 
That's all right. I got more. All right. The point of that story is, is I want you to understand there is always a divine component involved in every single conversion story. You have one, I have one, because, you know, every salvation is a miracle. It really is, because we were dead in our sins. We were blinded to the truth by the prince of darkness, and yet God made a way for our eyes to be open, our hearts to be open, in order that we could hear and believe the plan of salvation. And so what we see here is God, he is unstoppable when it comes to his pursuit of his lost children. He really is. His passion, his resources, they're unstoppable. So much so that he won't even be stopped by his own disciples' lack of vision. And that's what we're going to look at today in chapter 10 with our message titled today, Unstoppable Vision. Unstoppable vision. Again, if you're new today, we, we welcome you. We're glad that you're here at a lot of great churches. And if you chose ours to visit, we really are grateful. Glad that you are watching online or listening by podcast. But what we are studying here in this series, Unstoppable, we're, we're watching the church, right? Move from what was a local movement just there in Jerusalem to becoming a global movement. In order for this to happen, God gives this vision to two very different men. We're going to look at the first one here today in Chapter 10, verse 1. Let's, let's look at him together. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. Now, a lot of translations will term it a centurion, okay? And that's basically what this is. He was the devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said, and unlike last week, Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. That was good. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore, which makes total sense. If you like tanning, you're probably going to live on the beach, right? Yeah, some of you get that one later. That's all right, I got more. I got more if you didn't get that one. All right, so this guy Cornelius, he lives in Caesarea, right? And then Joppa, he's telling people to go to, that's about 30 miles away, which doesn't seem that far for us today, right? But for back in those days, that was a pretty good little walk. And the word is don't waste any time. I need you to get over there, send some folks in a hurry, and bring this guy Simon Peter back to my house. And so as we saw last week, a vision that came to two people. Not only did Cornelius get a vision, but somebody else did. Let's look at it, verse 9. The next day as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, that is, they'd been walking all night long to get there, Peter, the guy that they're looking for, went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Now, that usually happens to me after the meal, okay? Not before, but in this case, it did. Verse 11, he saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. And basically saying, I'm not going to start now. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The, vi the same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. So here Peter is. He's hungry. 
While he's waiting on lunch to be fixed, he falls into this trance, and he sees this sheet coming down with all kinds of food on it. I mean, what else would you dream about, you know, if you're hungry? But it's all these foods that he's been taught all of his life due to his religious custom. He's not supposed to eat. I mean, it's got reptiles in it. It's got birds and all kinds of animals, it says. So you know there was swine in there, right? Which he knows that a Jewish person is not supposed to eat. Which, by the way, is where we get our term. It's in the Bible right here. Pigs in a blanket, okay? Hey, I'm here all day. All right? How many of you saw that one coming, though? <laughs> All right, got one, one back there. Now, look, folks, I know chicken is the Baptist bird, but anything, anything that's wrapped in bacon, I'm going to thank Jesus for it. Amen? I tell you now. So then while he's having this vision, Peter, he, he utters the ultimate oxymoron. No, Lord. Those words just don't go together, right? And so Peter feels the need to somehow tell God that he needs... To, in order to be faithful, he needs to disobey what God has told him to do. And God said, no, Peter, don't go there. If I've said something that's clean, don't call it unclean. And so you got to remember it, right? Peter had to see this vision three different times, which likely means he was Baptist, right? So he's still confused. Let's read on. Verse 19. Says, Meanwhile, all this is going on. As Peter was puzzling over the vision, he's still trying to figure it out, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. That is, don't even take time to eat lunch. I know you're starving, but you've got to go. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I am the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, We were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all of the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. Now, if I were to make a movie about this story, I would title it An Officer and a Gentile Man. Uh, okay, I, that's probably all for today. But I'll be back another Sunday. My wife is, <laughs> is now totally embarrassed. She says, I have no wife. All right. But the crazy part of this story, he was a Gentile man, right? Which made him off limits to all the Jewish people. And Cornelius was a Roman officer on top of everything else in the army that Peter's people hated of all people. But I want you to understand the Bible is very clear that Cornelius was not a bad man. Matter of fact, the Bible says he was a good man. He was a God-fearing man, everybody in his house. Said he prayed all the time. He even gave money to the poor. He had a good moral life, and all the things that he'd done as a Roman officer in the community, that it, was, it was good stuff. He was a great guy. He helped out. But, you know, his public service, even though it was honored, his, public, his private sins were not covered. Right? We think because he prays every day, he's giving money to his poor, that he's a Christian man. He said he's a God-fearing man. We think he's a Christian. But what we're going to find out is no matter how much good he had done in the community and how good of a man he was and honorable, he still needed to know how his sins could be forgiven. And so if you're taking notes, the first thing to write down is Cornelius needed Peter. Cornelius needed Peter. Why didn't the angel just tell Cornelius how to be saved? And the best answer, and the only answer I really know to give you is because that's just how God has set it up. Remember back in Acts 1.8? He says that you and I 
Humans are going to be the vessels that he chooses to take the plan of salvation to the world, not the angels, right? And so when someone is saved, God always sends someone to tell them the gospel message. Remember back in Acts chapter 8? The eunuch, he was actually sitting there with the scriptures in his hand on a wagon reading them, but God sent Philip to explain to him how he needed to get saved and what he needed to do to get saved. Remember on the road to Damascus? Saul actually encountered Jesus himself, but Jesus didn't tell him how to get saved. He told him, you go into town and God's going to send someone to tell you how to be saved. This is the plan and the will of God. Because, you know, faith comes not by watching. We've talked about this before. Too many people think that people can just watch your Christian life and they can get saved by that. Well, let me ask you something. Do you really think and you're really that confident in your Christian lifestyle that you're absolutely positive that your lifestyle is going to lead someone to Jesus if they keep watching it? Yeah, I didn't think so. And the Bible says not so. It won't happen. The Bible says faith comes by hearing the gospel message. And so God isn't just sitting around waiting and hoping that someone's going to get saved. He is actively and divinely arranging and appointing encounters between what I call seekers and speakers. People that want to hear the good news and people that need to tell the good news. But you know what? God's intentions can be stopped when we have the mindset of no, Lord. So back to Peter. He travels 30 miles to get to Joppa. When he gets there, he finds that Cornelius is not the only one waiting to hear his message, but he's invited the whole city to come and show up at his house to hear the message. Let's look at it. Verse 27. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, You know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Now do you see the connection with the vision? So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Now if you were in a seminary class on how to preach, this is not how they would teach you to start out your sermon, right? They wouldn't teach you to start out your sermon with, well, you know what, folks, I really shouldn't be here this morning. And I've never hung out with people like you guys before ever in my life, right? But God told me to come, so here I am. What you need? Right? But as we look at it a little bit deeper, we find out it wasn't just Cornelius had a need. But God was up to something more. God was trying to reach some other people. And what God was doing, he was preparing Peter for the mission he had for Peter. Just like God is preparing the mission for you and I that he has for you and I. And it's here I want to point out at least what I think is a very interesting part of the story that's often overlooked if you're not really studying and getting into it and looking at it. Back in Acts chapter 8, verse 40. Remember, Philip baptized the eunuch, right? And it says in verse 40, Philip traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. And then we read in Acts 21 where Philip actually had a house there. 
in Caesarea, and he raised four daughters, which meant he set up shop there for quite some time. So Philip lives in Caesarea. Cornelius lives in Caesarea. So why in the world did the angel tell Cornelius to send for Peter, who's 30 miles this way, and then got to come back 30 miles this way, when he could have just got up and had Philip, who lives across the street, tell him about how to get saved? Well, it's because not only did Cornelius need Peter, but second of all, Peter needed Cornelius. Peter needed Cornelius. Because, see, God is often working on us while he's working through us. And what I mean by that is God will sometimes put us on an assignment to be a blessing to somebody, and we don't even realize it, but what he's trying to do is he's trying to do a work in our life in the process, and we end up getting a blessing from it as well. And so Jesus, I believe, arranged this divine encounter so that Peter could start practicing what he had been preaching for so long. You see, Peter, he preached a good message. Remember, he preached the first sermon after Jesus' resurrection, and it was so powerful, thousands of people got saved, right? Peter was there when Jesus said, I'll draw all men to me. Peter was there when Jesus said, I want you to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Peter was right there when Jesus said, Hey, I want all, I want you to go into all the nations, baptizing them in my name. But here it is, years later, and Peter hasn't gone anywhere. He hasn't preached the gospel message to a single person that didn't think like him, didn't look like him, and didn't act like him. You see, we often live better than we believe, but more often than not, we believe better than we live. And that was Peter's case. And sometimes it just takes time for things to sink in. God's plan is one of those things, I think. And that's why we always need God to remind us of that vision and to give us that vision of his plan. Again, remember, God had to show Peter three different times for him to start to catch on to the vision. That same thing coming down from heaven. Three different times he had to watch that vision. Let's go on, verse 34. After all this has gone on, then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. The curtain is finally pulled back, and Peter gets it. He finally sees that God doesn't play favorites. Do you realize how radical that was back in that day? I mean, no one believed that back then. Everyone would say that God plays favorites. In the ancient world, it would have been the most radical and whack thing for somebody to come along and say this phrase, For God so loved the world. No, he doesn't. He loves a subset of the people in the world, and we all know who it is. And even those today who detest Christianity the most, they're really grateful for what Christianity has built for them. Because you know where the phrase comes from, all men are created equal? It didn't come from the ancient world way of thinking. They didn't believe that. It doesn't come from the modern day world and our way of thinking where people are saying some lives matter more. That's not where it's coming from. That teaching that we're all created equal, that came from the life of Jesus Christ. We need to be grateful for it. 
And Peter's saying, you know, I start to get it now. Just like Peter needed Cornelius to understand the full implication of the gospel, Cornelius needed Peter to understand it at all. And so that's why he called for him to come. So let's listen to the gospel. Verse 36. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And isn't that what this season is about? You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Verse 39. And we apostles were witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all. The living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Did you see how inclusive that language was? He is Lord of all. Everyone that believes can be forgiven. He healed all people that needed healing. You see, Peter, he's preached this sermon before, but he's never preached it like this. Because some things you just can't get around and over until you get shoved out of your comfort zone. And that's exactly what's happened for Peter. He was held up over down there in Joppa, having the time of his life just talking with his buds, having them little Bible studies, you know, with Jesus, or about Jesus. But now this vision came and said, no, this is not what it's about, man. I don't want it to stay local. I want it to go global. Can I just say here that sometimes preachers preach too long? Now, I just flung that door wide open for a lot of amens. And uh, we can now put the stamp on it. You are Baptist, okay? Because if you can't even say amen to the preachers preaching too long, you're a Baptist. All right. All right. But anyway, they can't. Uh, and so that's what happens here. Heaven decided that Peter is taking too long. Let's look at what it does, verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. They didn't have to wait on an invitation to be given. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. What? Oh, no, 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 it's just for us. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. So what started out for a hot minute now has become an extended stay. All right, And Peter is hanging out with the Gentiles. It was so obvious that God wanted the nation saved that he didn't wait for Peter's sermon. And he just actually interrupted the sermon. Because when it comes to tearing down the walls of racism, folks, action's going to always speak louder than words. 
always will. And the crazy thing is, just a few hours earlier, Peter would have been the guy who would have tried to stop that. He would have been the one objecting to them receiving the Holy baptism of the Holy Spirit and receiving God's plan of salvation and being baptized like the Jews were. He, he would have been the one trying to stop it. So I've got to ask the obvious question this morning. How are we today, 2022, almost 2023 now, how are we as a church trying to stop the unstoppable vision that God has for people to have a life-changing experience through salvation with Jesus Christ? How, how are we stopping that? I mean, what, what biases do you have that's still hanging out in the church that's stopping people from getting saved? What are your prejudices? What, what, what are your mindsets? What are our traditions maybe still in the church that's stopping people from seeing the world God sees? I mean, really, think about it. Let's be honest. We've got them. Now, see, the truth is, people from church keep people from church. Had a discussion with a good friend of mine recently. It kind of turned into a theological debate. which was not new to either one of us. But it had been a while, and we were talking, and we, we got to talking about God's power, and we were talking about different ways of praying. And at the end of our discussion, he made the statement. He said, well, you know what? I, I just was never taught to pray like that, so I never believed we could pray like that. And I think that's kind of where Peter's at in his life is, is he knew about God's power. He knew about prayer. I mean, he knew how to preach for God, but he, he didn't know about this new thing that God had brought him in this vision. And he was just kind of settling into that thing that God had brought into his life. And so, like Peter, I think the church today still struggles with a vision that is easily stopped. You know... Something just doesn't happen when we thought it ought to happen. No vision anymore. Something doesn't happen the way that we thought it ought to happen. We just give up on the vision. Well, it must not have been God. Well, what was it? We give up too easy. See, God's word today is good news for us, folks, and that is the church is still capable of receiving the illumination of the Holy Spirit that will get us to the place where we can see more clearly the vision that is unstoppable for His mission and for this church here at Eastern Heights Baptist Church. It is still possible, folks, believe it or not, for us to receive an improved vision. There's always room for God to improve our vision. So here's our takeaway today. It's simply this. Pray that you will see as God sees. Just pray that you'll see as God sees. And you say, well, how do I do that? One, you pray this. You say, Lord, help me to see that everyone needs Jesus. You know, good people need Jesus. Good people like Cornelius. But being good isn't good enough, right? In Acts chapter 11, verse 14, it says, He, that is Peter, will tell you how you and everyone in your household that is good also can be saved. He said they weren't saved. They were good. They prayed. They gave their money to the poor, but they were not saved. And so we need to start people, start seeing people through the lens of not are they good or are they bad or whatever. We need to start seeing them through the lens of do they know Jesus 
as their Savior. Second thing we need to pray is, Lord, help me see where you are at work. Because here's the truth, folks. God cannot and will not be stopped by our limited vision. And if he can't increase your vision, you know what he'll do? He'll just give it to somebody else. That's what God does because, see, God's vision is unstoppable. Unstoppable, folks. And I am amazed and very pleased when I hear almost weekly and at least monthly church members here at Easton Heights say, well, I didn't know that we were doing that. I didn't know we were doing that at Eastern Heights. I didn't know God was doing that work here at the church. And so, again, I'm amazed that people don't know about it, but I'm also pleased that we're doing it, right? So, look, God is doing work, folks. You just need to ask God where it's at, and then you just need to join in on it. Instead of asking for a move of God, what if our church just became the move of God? Because I believe we start praying like this, that's exactly what is going to happen. Last thing is this. You need to pray, Lord, help me see the Cornelius in my life. Because, see, I just can't believe that God would choose you and I to be the vessels that's to take the plan of salvation to the entire world and then not put anybody in our path that needs to hear it. And you know what? It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. You have the gospel message. There's somebody out there that needs to hear it. You need to ask God to help you see who they are. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, our prayer is simple today. Help us see better. Give us a vision. Increase our capacity to see people the way that Jesus sees people so more people will see Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Unstoppable vision. I pray that you have it. I pray that you take it to the world out there. It's life-changing, folks. That's what we're called to be. You know, before we dismiss today, I want to let you know that uh, Jordan Anderson, this is her last time to be leading in our Sunday morning worship service, right? And so we want to thank her today for leading us these last couple of years. Now, when Jordan first came here, she wasn't Jordan Anderson. She was Jordan McCumbers, and she was 19 years old, okay? And she was our worship leader. Well, then she married that guy over there, really neat guy. And so we were blessed to have both of them for this entire time. And what God brought to us, God has brought together, and now God is taking to Augusta for, for his job and so they're having to leave us. Now, they're going to be with us uh, through Christmas. They're going to be part of the Christmas Eve program. But today, this Sunday morning is actually their last time. because They're going on some kind of, I don't know, honeymoon kind of something, another something, or trip parents did. I don't know. Some kind of, they're going on, hey, they're newlyweds. They're going on a honeymoon cruise, okay? Well, that's just the way it is. They just don't want to admit it publicly. But anyway, 
So today's going to be her, uh, her last Sunday leading in a Sunday morning worship service. Just thought y'all might want to know that in case you wouldn't be here Christmas Eve. You might want to come and say something uh, to them. But y'all have been such a blessing to us, and, and uh, I know that God's going to continue to bless others uh, as y'all go forward, and our prayers are with you. And again, just thank you so much for the way that you've been a blessing to us, okay? We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.